ahead of the class. I'm popular. I'm a quarterback. I'm popular. My mom says I'm a catch. I'm popular. I'm never last picked. I got a cheerleading chick, but I can't get on this bracket. I'm not popular. Welcome to the one wonders bracket. <laughs> I have so much to say right now. <laughs> Ladies oh and gentlemen, welcome, welcome to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast that believes in three things, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. I think we can add a fourth thing that we believe into the list. That fourth thing, Chris, should not sing. Yes, agreed. But we are here with episode number three. This is the top right-hand quadrant of their bracket as we try and work our way through the field of 64 with an ultimate goal of crowning the best one-hit wonder song of all time. And if you can't tell from the first couple of episodes, Not of Surf's Popular was not popular enough to make this damn bracket. We will talk to Mr. Woodhead later and get his reasoning slash excuses. But we're going to start west to east on your radio dials out in reno nevada sarah how you doing what's drinking hi chris i am doing well today um i am really sad i didn't have any beer and it's very uncharacteristic so i have some stolen booze from work and i made kind of a moscow mule i don't know it's basically just vodka and ginger beer and some lime juice so it's the closest I could get, but I put it in a giant, beautiful glass to make myself feel fancy. Well, it's almost Friday night, guys. We can almost drink without feeling guilty. <laughs> Next furthest west is somehow all the way over in Huntsville, Alabama. Mr. Mike Mott, how you doing? What you drinking? I'm doing good, and since you brought it up, I do need to uh, give a shout-out. As a, as somebody who owns Not A Surf's entire discography, if you only know them from the sound, song Popular... You're seriously missing out. Uh, their album, The Weight is a Gift, is amazing. It basically like was my album of was one of my top five albums of the mid-aughts. Uh, check them out. They're they're they are still kicking around 20 plus years later. Uh, so uh, just wanted to throw that out there. I, even though they are no longer, as Chris said, popular. Um, <laughs> as far as drinks go. This one's going to be a tough one tonight. So I decided to find the strongest beer that I had in my refrigerator. I suppose you could argue I could have just gone for something even stronger, but I was rushing to even get here. So uh, I have the Parkview Porter from Druid City Brewing Company. I think I've had it on here before. Uh, They're out of Tuscaloosa, Alabama. It is 9.2% alcohol by volume. So we'll pop open that puppy. And... Revel in the deliciousness. Uh, It is currently April and it's going to be 30 degrees outside uh, this evening. So that's another reason I thought a porter would be appropriate. That sounds both delightful and miserable. The beer delightful, the weather miserable. But speaking of delightful and miserable, we're going to go to the Gore household. It is up to you to determine which one is which. Marissa. Well, I'm clearly miserable. (laughs) Does that make me delightful? I don't know about that. I don't know. I don't know if you're delightful. Marissa, just no psychoanalyzing. How you doing? What you drinking? (laughs) I'm 
<laughs> All right, Chris. Uh, tonight I have Buffalo Trace. Okay. Yeah. No, no peach crown. No, I don't have any uh, oh. soda water. <laughs> I am matching you there with some with some whiskey and a diet soda of some sort. I have got my uncle nearest eighteen fifty six. It's almost a bottle kill. It's getting close. Um, and I am mixing it with Diet Dr. Pepper. And this, gentle, ladies and gentlemen, don't do Diet Dr. Pepper is not a good chaser, not a good mixer. Don't use it. Um, and these two do not mix well at all. So I'm either going to chug this or sip it very gingerly. I have not decided which. I have a feeling I might have something to do with some of the choices you're going to make tonight. Speaking of bold choices, Jeffrey, how you doing? What you drinking? You know that's right. Bold choices. That's what you come to me for. Yeah. Um, you know, I am drinking, what am I drinking right now? Uh, I'm drinking, I think, the uh, Rebel Store Pick that I picked up at Sunshine Liquors. Um, actually, I think my wife picked that one up for me. I don't remember. She did, because she picked it up for me, too. Yeah, look at her go. She's kind of awesome that way. And just in case, and by just in case, I mean shortly... I also just popped open another uh, bottle of the Woodford Reserve Double Oaked store pick from Lucan's, which I will certainly be partaking in and hopefully making it from here to the bed. You're, but it is about three feet away, so I think so I'm okay. You're podcasting from your bedroom, so that hopefully it's not too hard. Speaking of not too hard, <laughs> my segues are on point. <laughs> I'm not going there. Am I? Am I? Am I, I was going to say my last name enough for you, Chris. I was no. I actually wasn't thinking about your last name at all. I was going to say. Speaking of not too hard, it's not too hard to get into North Carolina State University, the home of Mr. <laughs> Jeff Woodhead. How you doing, <laughs> sir? And what you drinking? Doing all right. I am uh, uh, currently working on the uh, the Fair Valley Pinotage, uh, a uh, uh, wine from South Africa, made by a. Uh, workers collective down there uh cool idea for a uh, winery business model and it's a pretty good one uh i'll be switching over to a uh quinta de noval ruby port at some point during the podcast because i drink fast uh and i am a large man and therefore need a lot of alcohol um here, here. And obviously, I'm you know you'll notice that I'm neither drinking beer nor whiskey. That is because we are knee deep in the holiday of Pesach, where I am uh, not allowed to partake in uh, grain products, especially not fermented grain products. So uh, grapes, it is. So it's not the fermentation; it's the grain. The the it, the rules are a little bit complicated, yeah. and they vary from person to person. In fact, I've gone by substantially different rules in different cases. But in general, the very least of it is wheat, oats, barley, rye, spelt. All of those are out, um, unless in the context of matzah. All right. Well, with all that being said, we have got some really tough decisions to make tonight and a disclaimer i did mix up the order a little bit we are going to be going sarah mike jeff then marissa then back to jeff so gore gore woodhead those are last names for our listeners that are not able to keep track but we're going to start with the play-in game which one of these is going to be the 16 seed is it going to be sean mullins lullaby or somehow the 16th ranked 
tag team, Womp, there it is. And speaking of Womp, there it is, Sarah, you're kicking us off. I'm confused, statement that if Womp, there it is, should be a higher seed or a seed at all. Um, I'm going to go Lullaby on this one. It, it's of the two. It's probably the one that I wouldn't turn off. Uh, so yeah, I'd, I'd straight up starting out the gate. I'm going to go with Sean Mullins Lullaby. Well, as Sarah has proven that she's never owned Jock Jams Volume 1, I want to hear what Mike has to say. Uh, well, in spite of the fact that I also never owned Jock Jams Volume 1 or really anything called Jock Jams, uh, we are starting to get into my formative years as we hit the 90s. So we have a lot of tough choices ahead of us. Uh, but to be honest, this one was not one of them. And I'm going to completely disagree with Sarah. I think Sean Mullen's Lullaby is fine, but it's kind of very basic and disposable to me. And it's too long. A lot of 90s songs are too long. Like I kind of, I kind of was reminded of by that about that as I went back and listened through this playlist. A lot of 90s songs were a little too long. Won't There It Is is way more enjoyable to me. And I actually... I've forgotten how much fun that song is because you only remember the chorus, you know, whoop, there it is, you know, and now you've got that silly commercial with tag team scoop. There it is. But uh, no, I definitely would vote for uh, tag team on this one. I think it's the more iconic song and I think it's more fun. Well, French vanilla, Rocky road, chocolate, peanut butter and cookie dough. We are bringing this over to Mr. Jeff Gore. Damn straight. Uh, this one was actually kind of annoyingly difficult because if I were to pick the song that I enjoy the most, I would go with Lullaby. But I'm not here to be selfish. And I think that the tag team Womp There It Is has clearly made a bigger impact on culture and on um, music as a whole. Uh, so I'm going to go with tag teams Womp There It Is. Off the top rope, tag team is close to putting down Sean Mullins for a three count. Marissa, are you going to play the ultimate warrior and make the save? So when when I originally listened to these a week ago, when I thought we were going to be recording a week ago, no, we didn't. Um, <laughs> um it wasn't difficult. And then I listened to both of them some more and it came a little bit more difficult, but after doing some research and the overall cultural significance of tag teams, won't there it is. Uh, I, I mean, here's a great quote. Uh, even though it's a strip club anthem, tag team did well by giving it more of a general applicability as well as creating a song which is so effective at hyping people up that they really weren't all that interested in what was being said anyway. <laughs> so it's just a fun song. It was what I originally picked. I kind of wavered, went back to Lullaby, but I'm going with Womp There It Is by Tag Team. Tag Team back again. Jeff Woodhead, what do you think? Yeah, of course tag teams whoop there it is is a strip club anthem they're from atlanta <laughs> there's it's just kind of what the city is known for uh my apologies to the atlanta listeners i know you have more than strip clubs you also have freeways that's cool uh you also have an airport and voter suppression 
Whatever. Uh, interestingly enough, both of these acts from Atlanta. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> um, I uh, just en- enjoying the chance to uh, shit on Atlanta, which is what all of us North Carolinians like to do. Uh, as it is, I-, I think I agree with the uh, the 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 tag team. There it is. Consensus here. Uh, I think. It's it's the more fun, the more interesting, and the more uh, uh, influential song. Lullaby is is fine. It was it was just kind of there in the '90s, and it's just kind of there now. It's a perfectly passable song. Uh, no offense to Mr. Mullins, but uh, I think uh, tag team both for cultural significance and for the quality of the song uh, deserve the, to move on. Well, as a gentleman from Tampa, I will remind you, sir, that Atlanta is not the strip club capital of the world. Pretty sure that's right here in Tampa, Florida. I don't know why I oddly stake my flag in that particular <laughs> mountain. <laughs> but we have well, so we used- little we're known for, aside from being uh, uh, Champa Bay, you know, with the, the lightning, the Buccaneers, and the Rays. Uh, well, well, as as soccer fans that uh, that used to uh, have Atlanta as our chief rival, we used to chant that Atlanta is nothing but strip clubs and freeways. So, uh, just kind of assume that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ben <laughs> and Christy. Well, tag teams, whoop! There it is. Is moving on to the main tournament. It's going up against the one seed four non blondes. What's up? And speaking of what's up. The answer is Mike Mott. Well, what's up is actually what I want to know. I, I, I'm not surprised to find this song on here. I'm genuinely surprised to find it as a one seed. I mean, the 90s were full of great one-hit wonders, and I, I wouldn't think that Four Non Blondes would be at the very top of the list, uh, which isn't to say I don't like the song. Uh, you know, yet again, it's one of those songs that does go on a little bit too long, but... It's got it's got that great hook in the chorus with the hey yeah yeah and uh, you know so it's it's fun to wail along to when you're in the car and hopefully nobody's listening and you haven't forgotten to put your windows up. Uh, I think it is this one is a little tough because again I said as I said I really do think Womp there it is, is a fun song but I'm gonna give my vote to uh, Four Non Blondes uh, just because sometimes I do pray oh my God do I pray I pray for a revolution. But I'll be surprised if the song goes that deep. But I'll give my vote to Four Non Blondes. Four Non Blondes picks up a vote. Jeff Gore, weigh in. Yeah, this one, uh, kind of same along, along the same lines as Mike. Uh, I really enjoy Wump There It Is and What's Up. But I really enjoy belting out What's Up maybe two or three times. And then it gets really, really repetitive and really, really irritating. And you know what doesn't? You know what I've heard is one of the best hype songs ever? (laughs) Womp, there it is. You know what I hear when I go to any sporting event ever? I hear womp, there it is. You know what I hear whenever I go to any strip club? Well, you know what I would hear (laughs) if I went to any strip club ever? Womp, there it is. You can't argue with its cultural significance. And for non-blondes, what's up? I mean, really? I, I got I got to take the 16 seed here in this one. Whoop, there it is for me. The 16 seed has answered a three-pointer with a three-pointer. 
And we're going to bring it over to Marissa. And Marissa, we humbly ask, what's going on? If they could have just titled it that. I know they didn't because of Marvin Gaye, but still. Um, it, it's it's a fine song. It's fun. But it goes on for way too long. Um, and again, it doesn't have that cultural significance that that won't there it has won't there it is does so i'm going to give it a second uh second point and i believe that is a point for won't there it is is that correct that is correct the one seed is trailing as we move into pick number four jeff woodhead lock in your pick yeah, you know, Mike, I was actually somewhat surprised that this song got to a one seed, especially considering some of the songs down ballot here. Like, how is it getting more streams than Baby Got Back? Like, how are six songs getting more streams than that, to be honest? Like, they're... When I created this bracket, I looked at the 90s region and was just like, holy crap, that is loaded. And that's going to be a lot of difficult, really weird and really awkward decisions. And this is probably the first of them, which means that I am just going to pass this decision off onto Sarah and uh, allow the uh, the weight of the matchup to fall directly upon her shoulders. So give my vote to Four Non Blondes, What's Up. I actually do think it's the better song of these two. Uh, I, I enjoy Wimp There It Is. It's uh, it, it's good but not great. Uh, Linda Perry's uh, you know, uh, obviously a legendary songwriter uh, that only really had this one song that she was a vocalist on, but has written a ton of other stuff for uh, pop musicians since uh, since then. And it's a good song. It's it's really a good song. So I don't feel particularly shameful about giving What's Up its second vote. But yeah, I really am just passing this off on to Sarah. Sorry. <laughs> well, we've discussed on the show before how we do not like punting. And Jeff Woodhead came in and punted. He but sort that- of fake punted in his defense. Mm. It, was a, it was a Woody Widdenhofer fake punt. <laughs> <laughs> well, That's that a joke that us- me and you were going to get. That brings us to a two-to-two tie, bringing this over to Sarah. But because this is boozy bracketology, I'd like to remind everyone, we have buzzer beaters here. And if I'm not mistaken, we've already used two buzzer beaters in the first two rounds. According to my notes, and it's been a a couple weeks since we recorded, but according to my notes, both the Jeffs have used their buzzer beaters. So that means Sarah, Mike, and Marissa, would any of you... No, Sarah, you can't. Sorry. Mike and Marissa, would either of you like to lock in your buzzer beater to convince Sarah one way or another? A bunch of shaking heads. Sarah, this is all up to you. I'm starting to get a little concerned that my taste may differ from everyone else and that maybe that I'm the token country listener on the panel, so maybe I have bad taste. But I didn't vote for Wump There It Is last round, and I don't plan on voting for it this round. I I like the Four Non Blonde song. I like belting it out. It gets repetitive, but I also 
would like to know how many times all of y'all sat in a room and sang these multiple times anyway. Um, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe I also did own Jock Jams, by the way. I need to make that clear. But it wasn't really my jam at the end of the day. I don't know if I'm more just a, a 90s kind of alternative poppy person. It, it really didn't do anything for me. I know it's culturally significant. Not that I think either of these are going to move too far in this bracket, but I'm giving my vote to Four Non Blondes. What's up? Four Non Blondes is moving on to the round of 32, and we say goodbye to Womp There It Is. Next up, we've got your eight and nine matchup, the eight seed, Any Camos. Did I say that right? I hope so. Here comes the hot stepper taking on OMC's How Bizarre. And how bizarre would it be if we listened to what Jeff Gore had to say? Yeah, that'd be really weird. Um, because I cannot believe that this just happened. Wow. Uh, so these ones were kind of hard for me. Uh, here come the hot stepper obviously has the traditional na-na-na uh, part um, that I actually had to go in and uh, research. Because I know that, but it's not actually from this song. Um, and I would love to give you some more notes on that, but I lost them all. So all I'm going to say is I have a hard time voting against a sexy trumpet part. And I'm going to put my vote with OMC's How Bizarre. How Bizarre picks up a first vote. And this is one of those rare instances where a wife gets to tell her husband if he is right or wrong. Marissa, you're up. You know, um... This one was difficult for me, and I enjoy Hot Stepper. I didn't realize that, so researching it, it's basically poking fun at uh, American rap at the time and how dark their lyrics were. That's why he calls himself a lyrical uh, murderer and all sorts of stuff. Um, but... How Bizarre is just so classic 90s. Um, also, he was a gang member in New Zealand and learned music while he was in prison. So that explains a lot of the lyrics there. Um, so I'm going to go with How Bizarre. How Bizarre has got a two to nil lead. The ninth seed on the verge of pulling off the upset. Mr. Woodhead, what do you think? Yeah, OMC is a great story as as an artist. As uh, an artist, they uh, um, one of the few Maori acts that actually became popular. Uh, tragically, left us a few years ago. Um, so, not going to be upset if it moves on. But I just really love "Here Comes the Hot Stepper." I, maybe it's just the memory of hearing it at like every middle school and temple youth group dance that we ever went to it just all of the f fun that gets associated with that song or maybe it's it's just an infectious beat there's this little bass lick at the back of it that repeats through it that I can't get enough of, uh, obviously the na 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 na, which he, yeah, yeah, sure. He kind of pulled it from land of a thousand dances, but 
it's you kind of made it its own, honestly. Like you hear that, and now you think that song, and you know the line of a thousand dances. You, know, you think of other things from that one. So um, I got to give my vote to Andy Kamosi. Here comes that stepper. That's right. I still love you like that. Well, that just happened, and <laughs> I need a reprieve, <laughs> Sarah. I, I desperately want to know what your opinion is. I feel like you desperately do not want to know what my opinion is, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. And right, wrong, or indifferent, I am voting for OMC. How bizarre. No disrespect to Here Comes the Hot Stepper. It's just a personal preference, again, which I think we determined bad taste, but. I'm still going for it. So OMC, how bizarre. Move it on. Well, the hot stepper's hot stepping out of here, but we want to hear from Mike. Uh, Yeah, Jeff and I may have gone to the same high schools, but we clearly went to different middle schools. I don't remember ever having heard this song before listening to this bracket. I recognize the Nana hook, but again, it was from the land of a thousand dances. Uh, Meanwhile, OMC, how bizarre. That's a great song. If you want to know the rest, hey, buy the rights. How bizarre. Moving on. How bizarre is moving it on. Mike knows how bruisey back there. Mike knows how. Br- <laughs> <laughs> it's 3.30, right, Chris? Since 3.30? Since drinking? 3.30, yes. I've been drinking since Pull, 3.30. Mike knows how. Pulling a Marissa. Yeah. Mike knows how boozy bracketology works. We are moving on. This is your 5-12 matchup. We're starting with Marissa on this one. And Marissa, you get to choose. Are we going with Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby or Tom Cochran slash Rascal Flatts' Life is a Highway? Um, so, oh gosh, it had to have been, I was in high school. My brother and sister were still in elementary middle school. But we learned every single lyric to Ice Ice Baby and with Blare it in the car and just annoy the shit out of my parents. <laughs> Singing Ice Ice Baby. Uh, so this one, hands down, this, uh, who was this against? Life's a Highway? Rascal yep. Flats did it better. Um, <laughs> Ice Ice Baby is moving through for me. Ice Ice Baby has picked up a vote, and we are bringing this over to Jeff, and I have a feeling he's got a difference in opinion. Well, so, first off, no, Rascal Flatts did not do it better. Tom Cochran's version is a classic, and it's, uh, Rascal Flatts' version just kind of popified the whole thing and kind of took the soul out of it, unfortunately, and, uh, and it's kind of honestly tragic to me that it's the more popular version at this point in time thanks to that weird car movie that my daughter was obsessed with several years ago but tom cochran's version is a great song that i i honestly every time i listen to it i can't help but start belting the shit out of just tell them we're survivors like god i I love this song and it really brings i think to a question that maybe in a few of Jeff Gore's votes he's he's come up against, which is 
Do you vote based on cultural significance? Do you vote based on which is the more ideal one-hit wonder, which is the, you know, what you think of when you think of the 90s in general? Or do you just vote for the song that you like the best and let it all shake out in the end? And because, no question, Ice Ice Baby has had far more cultural impact, has been, you know, it's a song that pretty much everyone can identify off of just one little bass lick that, yeah, used to be completely identified with Queen and David Bowie and isn't anymore. Uh, But I cannot get past the fact that I just want to vote based on what song I like the best. Uh, I know Jeff Gore referred to this as selfish earlier in this podcast, but fuck it. I'm selfish. I'm going to vote for Tom Cochran's Life is a Highway because I will sing that at the top of my lungs ten times before I'll rap along with Ice Ice Baby. And as Mike knows, I will rap along and occasionally country cover along with Ice Ice Baby. But Life is a Highway is just a much better song. All right, well, Life is a Highway has picked up a first vote. We are turning off the highway. We're going to continue to A1A Beachfront Avenue. We're bringing it over to Sarah. Sarah got bit by the mute bug. Oh, I think that's a first for Sarah. (laughs) Welcome to the club. Sarah, you're somehow still on mute. You unmuted and remuted (laughs) yourself. No, it's just not clicking off. It's not the mute button. It's my computer that is... Acts like it's from the age that Ice Ice Baby was super popular. This is on my felt. Poor technology. You're and working I'm on the Apple by a new there, one. So. <laughs> Basically, it takes up like 12 cubic feet. That's my computer. Um, this one was a little bit of a tough one just because Ice Ice Baby is so iconic. But I also personally really like Life is a Highway. Uh, I, I do think that there were obviously better rap songs from this era and a couple that should have been on this list, but are not on this list. And after you guys hung up last time, Jeff and I had an in-depth conversation on this and he tried to prove me wrong, but I still don't believe him, which is fine. But I don't, I think anywhere you go, Ice Ice Baby is going to be the more known song I don't know that I have really a preference of these two. So in this case, I will choose probably the more iconic song with Ice Ice Baby. Ice Ice Baby has a two to one lead, Mike. So first of all, I would like to uh, remind uh, all listeners that the countrified version of Jeff singing Ice Ice Baby with me on acoustic guitar is actually available somewhere way back in the bonus episode land of the pub trivia experience, uh, along with two minutes. Yes. Two minutes of me attempting to chug a 25 ounce beer. I'm not a very good chugger. <laughs> that being said, the, uh, I agree with what everyone else has said. This has been, this one was a really tough one because life is a highway is such a great song. It's so much fun to sing along to that harmonica just sounds so great. I, I love a song with the harmonica, but Here's what I keep coming back to. When you hear someone say stop, 
If you're our parents' generation, you know you're stopping in the name of love. But if you're from our generation, it might be hammer time, but more than likely, you're about to collaborate and listen. And let me tell you something, folks. We need a lot more collaborating and listening in the world today because we got problems. And I am not sure if Robert Van Winkle can solve them, but he can give a word to your mother. I got to go with Ice Ice Baby on this one. <laughs> well played, sir. I, I have no words. Jeff Gore, take us away. Uh, yeah, I don't know how to follow that. Um, I also haven't been shit on this hard in a while and agreed with them. Uh, Ice Ice Baby, again, ranked higher for a reason. Um, but sometimes you have to vote purely selfishly on the better song that you find to be better. Uh, and I would have gone with Life is a Highway. I would rather not associate with anyone who is also associated with ICP or Shaggy Too Dope. Uh, you know, but that's that's on you guys. You're more than welcome to. Um, but, you know, if there's someone who is, you know, the same age as my father also associating with those people, probably not going to vote for them in most of anything. Um, but who's, who knows? Maybe the, maybe Robert Van Winkle will be running the country soon. We'll see shortly. Now, there's a vote right there for Tom Cochran. As I will say, um, one day I do hope to try Robert Van Winkle's grandfather's bourbon. Uh, Pappy Van Winkle would be amazing. Uh, that's not going to happen. He doesn't actually have it. It's no relation whatsoever. But neither here nor there, I will stand and die on the fact that my friends, Vanilla Ice is not a one-hit wonder. The Ninja Rap is a great song, and I'm assuming at some point in time, probably charted somewhere, if not only in my heart. Damn, see? See? I rest my tape, my case. But we're moving on. You're not here to listen to me talk. You're, listen, you're here to listen to these five people talk, and they're going to talk right now about the four seed of Deep Blue Something's Breakfast at Tiffany's. Taking on the 13th seed, right said Fred's, I'm too sexy. Speaking of too sexy, Mr. Woodhead, take us away. It's funny, you're talking about the seeding of things. I actually thought I'm too sexy was somewhat underseeded here, even if I'm going to vote against it and vote against it hard. Because uh, it is a boring, annoying, and frustrating song that goes on about three minutes too long and it's only about three and a half minutes long breakfast at tiffany's is actually a reasonably solid pop rock song i have no complaints about it i uh i enjoy listening to it uh i think it's a a, a fun song uh about a man trying to save desperately trying to save a dissolving relationship it's has that 90s thing of being sounding way more fun than its lyrics it but it's a really good song uh besides i think it would be kind of cool for the two dallas acts to face off against each other in the uh round of 32 so uh uh let's i'm gonna give my vote to breakfast at tiffany's uh fun fact there are two Dallas acts, obviously Vanilla Ice and uh, Deep Blue Something in this uh, the 90s section, which is one more than the number of Seattle acts in a 90s bracket. I kind of find that weird. And if you can identify the other 90s act, 
you are a better person than I. <laughs> or the, the other Seattle act in this bracket, you're a better person than I because I had to look that up. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with something that I've said before. I said, what about breakfast with Sarah Bales? What do you think? I enjoy our breakfasts together. I, too, thought this was a weird seating and kind of a strange matchup. Who doesn't sing the right side, Fred? I'm too sexy. I mean, I mean, I know I do in front of the mirror. I can picture all of you doing the same thing. But at the end of the day, I there's just something about Deep Blue Something Breakfast at Tiffany's. I have always loved this song. I love the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. I know it is no relation, but it always kind of reminds me of that. And it is, it's just a good poppy. 90s song and it was one that I remember listening to on the radio quite a bit during the 90s so I'm going to give my vote to Breakfast at Tiffany's Breakfast at Tiffany's has a commanding lead as we bring this over to Mike so I think uh, first of all I do want to say uh, Breakfast with Sarah Bales dinner with any meal with Sarah Bales is top notch top notch (laughs) top notch Uh, (laughs) especially a beer breakfast but I did move on. I haven't moved on to my second beer, by the way. But no, uh, I think they said it perfectly. I think that I'm Too Sexy, it does feel like an iconic song. And in that sense, it's it seems underseated. But then you actually go listen to it and you're, and you're like, I understand why the seating is the way it is. No one streams that song because it's annoying. Like, no one wants to sit down and listen to I'm Too Sexy. Meanwhile, Deep Blue Something, as Jeff said again, and as Sarah said, it's it's a really fun i mean again lyrically maybe not so fun but it's a great little pop rock song it's got relatable lyrics and it's certainly unlike i'm too sexy if it comes up on a playlist i'm not gonna groan when i hear it start this is definitely uh deep blue something deep blue something is gonna take this but is it gonna be a commanding win or a nail biter you know what let's hear from jeff gore yeah, this one wasn't hard for me at all. I really don't like I'm Too Sexy. Uh, so it's Breakfast at Tiffany's. No question. Now that was quick and easy. Marissa, is it a sweep? Yeah, this is a sweep. The, I'm Too Sexy had no chance. Move it on. And uh, I can confidently say that would be a 6 to nothing sweep if my vote meant anything. I'm Too Which Sexy is going away. For good, I hope. We are back to the top. Sarah is leading us off here as we pick between the 6 and 11 seed, 6 seed, Los Del Rio's Macarena, the 11 seed, Joan Osborne's One of Us. Okay, so we all know that Macarena is the more popular song here. It's I don't know if it's still played at weddings. I don't know if anyone's been to the wedding in the last year and a half, but I love... Joan Osborne's One of Us, and I love this song in the 90s, and I felt like this was a time where all of a sudden we started singing or hearing female acts coming forward, not so much in bands. I just remember a lot more of the female artists coming out, and maybe a lot of them are one-hit wonders. There's another one on this list that I absolutely love, but... Joan Osborne, one of us, that was one of my favorite songs. And I, I think, you know, if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us. Isn't that 
a perfect example of human nature, right? Like we're all slobs in our own way, whether it's physically or mentally, but Joan Osborne, one of us. John, whoa, Joan Osborne picks up a vote. Mike, you're up. So I want to start by saying this. I was going to thank Jeff for not putting that damn I love you always forever song on this list because it was always playing at my orthodontist office and it still makes my teeth hurt when I hear it. But when I was doing research, uh, yes, I actually do do some research leading to this bracket. I found out it never hit number one and it was held off for nine weeks by Macarena. So I feel like I owe Macarena my thanks for that. But really only for that. Uh, yes, I, I kind of see, you know, Macarena, it's the more iconic song, probably like, yes, I still know the dance. And quite frankly, if it comes on, yeah, I'm still going to do the dance. I admit that. I will. Like once. And then I'll be like, yeah, please change the song. This it, The novelty wore off quickly. I also really like One of Us by Joan Osborne. It was one of those songs, I'll, I'll be honest, I had not thought of it in a long time. But when it came on and I immediately heard that little like chiming guitar intro and her going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, it immediately took me back and it, it gave me the warm fuzzies. I just, I, there's something about it that had that impact on me. I always really liked that song. I, and I'm, and I'm a little sad that I hadn't thought of it in so long, but now I think I'm going to add it back to my regular rotation. I'm also giving my vote to one of us. Joan Osborne has a two to nil lead. Jeff Gore, lock in your vote. So, as my wife can probably attest to, I have a very poor memory. Um, and in a sad way, there's very little that I actually recall from my childhood. However, one of those things that I do recall is in elementary school, we were able to get a bus driver that was so cool, she would turn on the radio and on the radio one of the songs that i recall hearing almost daily was the macarena and who knew that it would turn into this cultural sensation of every party and wedding and event you go to hearing it um, because we were just kids riding the bus having a good time because we were behaved well enough to get the radio that day um and for me, one of us, again, I also forgot about it. I've definitely heard it before. Um, and I think there was a reason I forgot about it. It just seems like a miserable song to listen to. Um, it's not overly enticing to listen to. There's nothing incredibly interesting. Now, the lyrics are there. They're somewhat thought-provoking. Um, but you know what I want from a one-hit wonder? Nothing thought-provoking. So I'm going with the Macarena. <laughs> Macarena picking up a vote. Marissa, do you agree? See, this is when our age difference really comes in clear for everyone. Um, because I was in elementary school, going into middle school when Macarena came out, and it was huge. I mean, we'd do it at PE. We'd do it, you know, we on the bus. We'd sing it everywhere and do the dance um, at Astroscape. In the back room, at the dance room, at Astroscape. I don't know if any of you went back there before um, or know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, but anyone that's listening to this and knows what Astroscape is and the dance room, they will also agree that you wouldn't hear one of us back there. You would hear 
Macarena and the Tootsie Roll. And you would all be jumping up and down and dancing. Um, so for me, I, one of us is, it's, I don't know, I kind of find it a little bit annoying, her voice. I don't know what it is. Um, it's fine. But for me, this is the Macarena. Ladies and gentlemen, we have another two to two tie. The Macarena and one of us tied up going into Mr. Woodhead. With that being said, Sarah or Mike, would one of you like to lodge your buzzer beaters to sway him one way or another? Doesn't Marissa still have her buzzer beater? Yes. Marissa, you can as well. I'm just a chauvinist. I don't feel strongly enough on this one to lose my buzzer beater. We still got quite a bit going here. No buzzer beaters lodged. Mr. Woodhead, take us away. Wow. You know, (laughs) this became a lot more difficult as I started listening to these songs over and over again over the past week or so. Um, So... This bracket is showing that there are a lot of really different ways to become a one-hit wonder in America. You can either be a really popular band from overseas that comes up once. You can be a band that just happens to catch uh, lightning in a bottle that one time. You you, you perform way above your, uh, your station. You just kind of... You're part of a genre that isn't super well-respected, but for some reason you hit the song that crossed over. Then you can become a one-hit wonder because you're a Spanish folk band from Seville that some dude randomly decided to remix and invent some crazy-ass line dance to. And then everybody started doing the crazy-ass line dance and forgot about oh yeah these are some random ass folk musicians from seville that have suddenly gotten popular for no good reason i I find los del rio real interesting for that reason uh these are this is like a couple of guys who had played been playing together since 1962 so over 30 years at this point they had been together as a basically traditional Southern Spanish music act. And suddenly this song becomes popular. Man, the music business is seriously fucking weird. You guys, uh, <laughs> either way. So I think we're all used to the Bayside boys remix of Macarena. Uh, it's the one that they always play. It's that one with that techno beat that the, And yeah, that song fucking sucks. I hate it. And I heard it way too much during the 90s. And I would never vote for that song. That having been said, the actual Los Del Rio song is quite good. It's, uh, I mean, you know, peppy Spanish folk music. The the actual kind of beat of the lyrics matches with kind of the guitar playing. It, they have this weird at the end of every verse. I can't, can't even do it right. It's it's freaking hilarious. I love it. I actually kind of really really dig it. Um, 
Joan Osborne's One of Us was you kind of background noise to my early teenage years. And when I listened to it again, I thought, oh, yeah, this is a good song. I'm actually really digging this guitar solo. So was really hoping one of you people would use your buzzer beater here because it made those this decision really difficult. Uh, to be honest, I don't think it's going to advance past the next round. Either of the songs that it would be facing after this will defeat it. But I have to give my vote to the original folky version of Los Del Rio's Macarena. The dance version blows. The dance version sucks. It is garbage. But listen to the original, and you'll actually be pretty entertained. Oh, golly gee, Willikers, Dad, thank you for your input. The Macarena is moving on. And we are moving on. We have got your three versus 14 seed, the three seed, Lou Bega's Mambo number five, taking on the 14 seeds, the one of my favorite band names on this bracket, the Divinals, I Touch Myself. Speaking of touching yourself, Mike, we're starting with you. Oh, when I think about all of our panelists here, I touch myself, and I am not ashamed to admit it. Marissa <laughs> no. just disconnected the call. I know, I, saw, I know, I saw. She's like, oh, God, no, no, no. Uh, no, no, come on. I, I'm sorry. The, a brief appearance in a Weird Al Yankovic polka is going to have to be the Divinals consolation prize here. It, I never really got into the song. It's kind of whatever. Mambo number five is a blast. Like, okay, I get it. Like, every woman whose name appears in the chorus probably hates that song. It's probably a little bit of a thorn in her side. But otherwise, that song is just so much fun to listen to. It's they got this, like, great blend of, like, big band music and the kind of style of pop that was, you know, popular at the time. I, I think it definitely deserves to move on here. So I'm giving my vote to Lou Bega and Mambo number five. Mambo number five, trying to shake itself onto the next round. Mr. Gore, your your turn, sir. Yeah, this one was real easy. Uh, for me, again, it comes down to my childhood. Um, and more importantly, uh, the fact that this song specifically was chosen as a theme song for the 2000 Democratic National Convention. Uh, meanwhile, no one decided to think about the lyrics... A little bit of Monica in my life, uh, and was promptly removed. <laughs> no matter what, I'm absolutely going with Lubega's Mambo Number Five. Mambo Number Five has two votes. Marissa, you're up. This is another one that you know. This is a classic for me growing up. Uh, you know, it was on the radio constantly. Um. The other one, I hadn't heard until this bracket. So uh, I'm going with Mambo number five because I didn't, I don't know, I don't really care for the other one. It's fine. But I don't think it has a chance. Mambo number five picked up its third vote. It's definitely moving on, but I want to hear from all of our panelists. And that means Jeff Woodhead, your CERN, sir. What on earth is wrong with you people? We don't have time Seriously. for Seriously. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, Mambo number five is is there. It's okay. It's fine. 
I'll, I'll bop along to it. Um, and at this point, it's probably making the Sweet 16, so fine, sure, whatever. Uh, but, well, first off, I Touch Myself is definitely the second best song about masturbation recorded during the 90s, uh, trailing only Longview by Green Day. Uh, it is an actual it's a song that i actually expected to be in the 80s bracket until i realized oh no wait it actually came out in the early 90s so i guess it was part of that whole like wilson phillips thing too but i honestly really enjoy it i think it's a a legitimately fun and well-crafted rock song uh even before you get to the the lead singer's sex noises during the bridge which Okay, yeah, that, that a little over the top, but worth including in there, I suppose. Uh, and you know, by modern standards, is just downright tame. <laughs> I think I touch myself deserves at least one vote because, come on, guys, <laughs> it really was a early '90s classic. It was. Uh, literally everywhere during the early 90s and yeah seriously i don't know what's wrong with you people <laughs> mike has an interjection uh, yeah i just got to point out longview wasn't even the best song about masturbation on green day's dookie album <laughs> okay well if you count that secret track <laughs> everyone counts the secret track okay. anyway sorry so as I sit here and contemplate who has the time to rank their favorite songs about masturbation, <laughs> let's hear what Sarah has to say. I was trying to decide which way to go with that, but I'm going to go. I, I was going to give my vote to Mambo number five. I'm still giving my vote to Mambo number five. But who doesn't remember I touch myself in fucking Austin Powers? Like, I love that movie. My brother and I literally have conversations with only Austin Power gifts. So for that, it has enough credit in itself that I kind of stopped when I was making my picks to maybe I would only vote for it because of Austin Powers, which ultimately is probably not the right thing to do. So my vote does go to Mambo number five, but I will never forget the song I touched myself because of Austin Powers. Oh my gosh, I feel such shame that I had forgotten all about that. You Thank you, Sarah, should. for recalling bringing that this, up. This bracket is just 100% a Millennials versus Xers. Oh, Mambo number five is definitely moving on to the round of 32. We are on to our 7-10 matchup, and we have had a decidedly shocking uh, amount of no upsets. If you count an 8-9 seed and upset, that's the closest thing we've gotten. Let's see what happens here. The 7 seed, Sir Mixalot's baby got back. The 10 seed, Elian, Steal My Sunshine. And I'm assuming it's Elian and not Len. I have no idea. It's Len. I always thought it was Len, but I have no idea either. You go either way. Len too. Okay, doesn't matter, because you know what does matter? What Jeff Gore has to say. Oh my gosh, I feel special for once. Um, yeah, so I think it's really important to make clear some of these decisions are very hard. And it takes a lot of research, a lot of time to figure out what exactly you're going to make a choice on. 
Um, and a lot of times, it just comes down to personal preference. And, you know, for me, I would never say that there's anything selfish about taking personal preference over cultural relevance or anything like that. Uh, what's more important is making sure that waffling at all times is perfectly acceptable. That being said, Sir mix Baby Got Back is absolutely the more culturally relevant song in this bracket here. But when listening to both of them, I just can't get over how much more I love Steal My Sunshine. So I'm going to take the easy way out and go for Steal My Sunshine. Marissa, do you agree with your husband? Not going to answer that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just lost my complete train of thought. Um, Baby Got Back, iconic. Absolutely iconic. Everyone loves it. Everyone will sing it. But they only sing, like, that chorus part. That's it. They don't know anything else. They don't know any of the other lyrics or the six other verses that are along with it. Um, I guess you could st- say the same for Steal My Sunshine, but it's so much fun. Steal My Sunshine is so fun. And apparently it was written after a three-day rave where... This brother and sister singer-songwriter duo just partied and then wrote a song. <laughs> and how can you not love that? Um, so I'm going with Steal My Sunshine. Steal My Sunshine has a commanding two to nil lead on what I thought was a heavy favorite in Sir Mix-a-Lot. Apparently I'm wrong, but we're bringing this over to Jeff Woodhead. So did y'all guess the other Seattle artist? The one Seattle artist on our 90s bracket. That's right. It is the pride of the Seattle rap scene, Sir Mix-a-Lot. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the, the only Seattle artist on our 90s bracket. Uh, you can find that as weird as you want. Whatever. Uh, the course of Baby Got Back through our culture is a very interesting one. In 1992... The video was actually somewhat briefly banned by MTV for, I guess, just excess lasciviousness. Some 28 years later, a uh, um, on the TV show The Masked Singer this past year, uh, a singer in a full-on bear costume gave a spirited rendition of Baby Got Back only to reveal herself as former Alaska governor and vice presidential candidate Sarah Palin. We've gone from the the mainstream of America maybe kind of being uncomfortable with it to it being so ingrained in the culture that a far-right politician feels totally okay just busting it out on the stage in front of everybody. You can kind of follow how our culture has shifted from the night from the early nineties to today in, in that baby got back is just such a part of our culture. And it's actually a pretty good song. Yeah. Yeah. It's a karaoke classic where the drunk white girl attempting to sing it will lose her pathway. A, fourth of the way through because once you get to the point where uh, the 
that you lose, you get sprung. Yeah, half the people don't actually know all of the lyrics past that. You know, you uh, maybe they'll jump back in for my anaconda. Don't want none unless you got buns, hun. But that's about it. It's still the, the the more classic song and the better song. Steal My Sunshine is kind of, I don't know, it was just kind of fun when I listened to it again. It was kind of boring. Um, in terms of weird connections with other songs on this bracket, though, Steal My Sunshine's uh, uh, Lens then guitarist, Brendan Canning, left the band after that, after he got paid from this song. And decided to form another band uh, with uh, another f- couple of friends of his called Broken Social Scene that a lot of our uh, uh, indie-minded listeners might know. Uh, among the co-founders of Broken Social Scene with Brendan Canning was Leslie Feist, who we will talk about in the next episode. Uh I found that kind of interesting, uh, the uh, the incestuous world of music, but my vote's got to go to Sir Mix-a-Lot. Sir Mix-a-Lot picks up a belabored vote right there. We are bringing this over to Sarah. So initially, I thought that I was going to be 100% ostracized by the song that I chose of this group, uh, especially how the the way the womb third is went, I was really nervous, but I mean, it is baby got back. As soon as you hear it, everyone stops and like drunk girls scream and it's a thing and I get it. And, but if I had to sit down and I had the choice to listen between these two songs, I'm going to choose Len still my sunshine, probably every time, even when I am being a drunk girl, what are the, how, how I Met Your Mother, like the Woo Girls. I feel like Baby Got Backs for the Woo Girls in the house. So I don't really want to be the bad guy here, but as Chris mentioned, like we try not to punt as much as we can. I honestly can't tell you which way I thought think Mike would vote for this, but I'm going to have to move Len along, Still My Sunshine. I, I think it fits into this category. I think it it's more so the one-hit wonder that I, I think about, just maybe... Baby got back, played, got too much. I don't know, but still my sunshine. Oh, the band that no one knew how to pronounce or say their name is definitely moving on. Still my sunshine goes to the round of 32. But Mike, I want to hear from you. Wow. I had, uh, I genuinely had this whole rant prepared about how I really didn't want to steal, steal my sunshine, sunshine, but this was possibly the worst draw ever. I was legitimately going to say, I think Sir Mixaglot might be the most underseated song in Boozy Bracketology or entity in Boozy Bracketology history and possibly also the NCAA tournament. I was floored to find it as a seven seed, but maybe it was correctly seeded because it lost to Len Steal My Sunshine, which I actually think is a really good song. And I think by all rights, Len Steal My Sunshine is probably a sweet 16 song, I at least. And I was, I thought that sucks because it's going to lose here to Sir Mix-a-Lot, which I would have thought was maybe a favorite to come out of the 90s region, and I'm clearly wrong. Uh, I don't have a whole lot to add besides what Jeff said. My vote was going to be for Sir Mix-a-Lot because it's clearly the more iconic song. Uh, I don't think, and I don't think it's, I think both these songs are fun, and I don't, you know, 
I just, I would have to give it to Sir Mix-a-Lot Baby Got Back just because it's that much more iconic. But it doesn't doesn't matter. Len's moving on. I can't complain because I love that song too. Still My Sunshine's got a spot in the round of 32. If we go to our last vote of the evening, Marissa, you are starting us off here. Are we going with the two seed, The Proclaimers, 500 Miles, or Sean Colvin's Sunny Come Home? This was not difficult for me. Uh, Sunny Come Home, it's a, it's a decent song, but it's not the one that I'm going to sit there and sing. Um, I mean, you don't even have to hear it and you can like somehow get it stuck in your head just because you hear somebody walked a mile and then you start singing the 5,000 mile song. Um, so I, I'm sorry. Who is this? Artist Sean Coleman, Colvin. Um, Sean Colvin, uh, the the Proclaimers five thousand five hundred miles is so much better. The Proclaimers has picked up a vote. We are bringing this one over to Jeff. I find it kind of funny that the two seed in the nineties region is subtitled five hundred miles, and the two seed in the aughts region is subtitled a thousand miles. Is titled a thousand miles. So uh, I don't know what that says. It doesn't say anything. Uh, the Proclaimers song is the obvious choice here. Uh, a little bit of temporal screwery with this one in that the the, uh, the song actually came out in 1988, but it was only released in the U.S. in the 1990s, in 1993. Um, so it ends up in this side of the bracket rather than in the 80s region. Uh but it's just a better song. It's the more fun song. It's the more interesting song. It's the song that you're going to stand up and sing along to. Uh, and as XKCD pointed out in their, uh, or, uh, actually, I guess, wasn't technically an XKCD. It was a what if from uh, Randall Munro, who writes XKCD. Uh, he calculated that uh, during the length of the song, I'm going to be 500 miles, uh, the uh, International Space Station moves almost exactly 1,000 miles. That's right. It walks 500 miles and then 500 more as the song is concluding. So uh, uh, I think that's just really fucking cool. Anyway. Give my vote to the Proclaimers here. Uh, move the Scotsman on, please. Uh, if, as long as he gets another vote, at least. The Proclaimers have picked up another vote. We're bringing this over to Sarah. <laughs> New buttons are hard. No, it's still... Uh, I don't know what's going on with it tonight. But, yeah. I mean, I feel like I've had the privilege of moving some songs along tonight whether it's good bad or indifferent some people might hate me for it and i'm i'm really sorry but i do i initially actually chose sunny came home and then i listened to these again and yeah 500 miles it it comes on and gets stuck in your head the music video to it's totally rad i'll take it anytime so i'm moving the proclaimers 500 miles along Proclaimers are moving along. Let's see how close this was. Mike, you're up. Well, we began with a Sean and we're ending with a Sean. And uh, 
neither one of them are getting my vote. Although I do really like Sunny Came Home. I think it's I think it's a great song. I think it's better than a lot of the other pop ballads that are on here. Uh, to be honest, I like Natalie Imbruglia's Torn more. Not sure why that's not on here. I'm sure Jeff will say that she had another hit or, oh yeah, she was in Johnny English, so it doesn't count. Uh, but none of, none of it really matters. I, it, you know, Sonny Came Home was, was kind of evocative and catchy and cool. It was a great, like, late 90s sort of pop rock thing, and it was, it was good. Uh, it's not The Proclaimers 500 Miles. That song is infectious and catchy. They could listen to it on an entire road trip on repeat in How I Met Your Mother and never get tired of it, and you kind of understand that. Like, you get, like, you get tired of it, and then for a brief period of time, by the end, it has just completely sucked you in. It, it, that's how it goes. It, that's that kind of song. It is definitely more iconic, and it is definitely moving on. It's definitely getting my vote. Four to nothing, and we are going to Jeff Gore. Do we have a sweep? Well, I hate to break it to you. There's some things that we need to know about Sean Colvin's Sonny Came Home. Sonny Came Home was actually the Grammy Award winner for both Song of the Year and Record of the Year. I mean, this is not a one-hit wonder that didn't do anything else. This was a big winner. Um, unfortunately, the best thing about Sonny Came Home is when it was interrupted by ODB when they were saying that Wu-Tang is for the children. <laughs> because other than that, it's just a very depressing song about a woman who wants to burn down her old house. Um, and I can speak for every drunk guy out there, and we all want to be at the bar, at the club, at everywhere, proclaiming quite loudly 500 miles. 500 miles absolutely sweeps this. The proclaimers have marked their spot in the round of 32, and that brings us to the end of our bracket tonight. Your winners. Four non-blondes, What's Up, will be taking on OMC's How Bizarre. Vanilla Ice's Ice Ice Baby will go up against Deep Blue Something, Breakfast at Tiffany's. Los Del Rio's La Macarena taking on Lou Bega's Mambo Number 5. And then the big upset of the night, Lend Steal My Sunshine will be taking on the two seed, The Proclaimers 500 Miles. We will be back. Next time with the final portion of the round of 64. If you're enjoying the Boozy Bracketology podcast, leave us a five-star rating. Write us a review wherever you listen to the show. That'd be amazing. Find us on Facebook and Instagram, Boozy Bracketology on Twitter at Boozy Brackets, Boozy Bracketology at gmail.com. For the Boozy Bracketology podcast, I have been Chris. I have been Sarah. I have been Mike. I'm Jeff. And I am also Jeff. And we will see you next time. Have a good one, everyone.